Welcome to Zephyr Yoga Inspiration. I offer these podcasts for free, and your support really does make a difference and is appreciated. To make a donation, please click the link in the episode description or visit ZephyrYoga.com. We've been studying over the past few sessions, um, rethinking our understanding around our anatomy, physiology, and biomechanics of how the body moves in our practice, and noticing that there are imbalances in the body that cause limited range of motion, um, strain on the connective tissue that usually results in in having pain in our body, as well as um, joint instability due to this imbalance. So opposing muscles, say for instance, bicep, tricep, opposing muscles, um, when they're in balance, one is usually locked short and tight, and the other one's usually locked long and weak. Both are considered um, uh, not effective and functioning in its normal way. So in yoga, what we're trying to do is tell the muscles that are hypertonic, that are constantly engaged, like my bicep right now, to actually lengthen and release. And then to wake up the muscles that are long and weak and to actually learn how to engage those properly. And then creating a range of motion and this kind of um, rhythm in the body, the synergy in the body to actually explore um, our body's um, full potential in the different range of motion on different gravitational plane and to kind of promote this equanimity and balance, harmony um, that we so desire. So just a few little technical things with contracting muscles because Um, we're going to be focusing and rethinking our relationship to the piriformis, creating more piriformis stability and mobility in this practice. And a lot of the time, certain muscles um, that create that imbalance um, haven't been woken up. And so muscle contraction is an interesting one. And what we're doing in yoga is actually learning how to engage muscles. Remember in Sutra 246, saying how to practice asana is you just need two things. Stira is the first one, sukham is the next. So stira is that um, engagement, that stability, that um, uh, uh, integrity in Um, holding this tone within the body and then from that strength stability steadiness then we can open to sukham which is that ease comfort that flexibility that openness so those two opposing forces have an intimate relationship but first we need to create that stability so there is three types of contractions that you'll probably start to really notice when you are turning your attention to said muscles. So just to use my arm as it is an easier one to demonstrate, a concentric contraction is meaning that you are actually engaging the muscle and shortening the muscle. If I want to engage my bicep to bend my elbow, my muscle actually shortens and engages. Now, to hold my arm like this, the bicep has to continually contract. So this is called an isometric contraction. Now to actually open my arm, release my elbow, my bicep needs to engage still. It doesn't just flop open. So this is called an eccentric contraction. So my muscle is getting longer, but there is still tone in the muscle as I extend it. 
And this is something that we in um, yoga are really, especially vinyasa yoga, we're engaging muscles, actively um, engaging them, shortening them, holding poses, and then lengthening them with this tone and integrity. So it's this kind of quality of tensegrity, this tensile force as we engage muscles, shortening them, hold a pose, and contracting those muscles, holding them, and then starting to actively release, keeping the muscle engaged. So there is an innate wisdom within the body that knows how to do this. So if we've been sitting for long periods of time behind our desk and kind of typing away, and all of a sudden we're physically, mentally, energetically like stiff, tired, heavy, what the body will naturally do is yawn and stretch and engage muscles to release them. So this is called pandiculation, which is um, that quality of yawning in um, trying to engage muscles to then release them. So, you know, most of our day in the West especially is sitting where our hip flexors get locked short and tight. So as I sit here, tensor fascia lata, and the psoas, the lower psoas, gets locked tight and short, whether you sit like this or whether you sit like this. But then the butt muscles as well get locked long and weak. So this imbalance, as we come to stand up, we're like, oh, and it's really hard to really open up the front of the hips and the glutes are meant to help pull you back. And if they're not strong enough, you just end up walking like this. So we start to see that our kind of habitual way we hold our body, um, it kind of drowns in this collagen protein, which is a hardening agent to help you stabilize. But as we notice the natural way of kind of balancing out that kind of stiffness, so we stand up and we stretch and we yawn and we start to move trying to actually um, dissolve that collagen buildup and promote more of this elastin that we desire to kind of shake it out and we can kind of then kind of walk without any distress or pain. So with this kind of understanding of how you sit most of the day and then you come up, when you stand up, you'll probably notice a few little things and it's called the lower cross syndrome. Last session, we looked at the upper cross syndrome a little bit and how that imbalances affected the neck, the upper back, you know, your chest and your back, your neck, those crossing. Well, the same thing happens in our lower back body. So some of us end up standing like this with our pelvis tilted forward. So we notice that our hip flexors are locked short and tight, our back muscles are locked short and tight, our tummy muscles are locked long and weak, and our bum muscles are locked long and weak. So there's that lower cross syndrome that marries each other. However, if you have a posterior tilted pelvis and your pelvis tucks under, what happens is your tummy muscles are locked short and um, tight as well as your glutes, but your hip flexors are locked long and weak and so is your back. So we start to see that when we sit for long periods of time, certain muscles turn on to stabilize and harden and certain muscles turn off. Remember that was the hypertonic, the turn on, 
and the turned off muscles are hypotonic. And what we're trying to do in yoga is wake them up and actually start to create more sensitivity neurologically so we can actually um, move our body in space better so that sense appropriate perception and how to kind of move more effectively, but that interception of what it feels like to be in your body and, and noticing where the areas of imbalance are and direct your breath and also intention, that kind of wakefulness to that area to try to stabilize it, engage it, awaken it, and then release it. So what we're gonna be doing in this practice to just take care of the torso is consistently, we are going to be drawing the transverse abdominus muscles together, like knitting your abdominals together and zipping up that zipper. So that's your transverse abdominus muscles, and this will turn on the opposing muscles, those multifidi in the spine. So when you knit together, you'll feel that your spine, there's a sense of holding and ascending. Whereas you relax your tummy muscles, there's a depression and a releasing around your spine, it becomes too flexible. So as we knit together, there's this um, ascending. So maintaining that, because what we're going to really focus on is our glutes specifically the piriformis muscle, you know, awakening more of the posterior part of the pelvis, toning these muscles for healthier engagement, because a lot of the time we're sitting and we're overstretching these muscles. So the piriformis is a muscle that attaches, so this is your sacrum, it attaches right in the front of your sacrum, acrosses your pelvis, to the outer hip bone, so this is called your um, uh, trochanter, which is the top of your femur bone, and so it crosses like this. Now, as it, it does communicate as the connective tissue, the fascia, communicate, um, so it can work in tandem to help you walk and move effectively, um, and what this um, piriformis muscle does, it's a lateral um, external rotator. So it, it laterally externally rotates your femur bone, yeah, and extends it back. But it is also a stabilizer. So when we stand, it helps stabilize our posture so we can stand effectively. Now, with the piriformis um, uh, to engage it, um, like I said, is, is that you move it back with an external rotation to stretch it. We bring our knee, so it's more than 90 degrees in relationship to the pelvis, and then it externally rotates like pigeon pose. So we will do that in the end. So this external rotation and then bringing your knee higher towards your chest um, is a piriformis stretch. We'll notice when the piriformis is really tight when we bring our knee up and there's an internal rotation. And you'll notice this when we do one-legged poses. There's the internal rotations kind of showing how tight the piriformis is and how imbalanced the hip flexor and lower psoas is. They kind of mirror each other, opposing muscles as I'm, I'm trying to indicate. So if your hip flexors are locked short and tight, and this is locked weak, you have a tendency to internally rotate. And this is also like crossing the legs and you know other kind of habitual um, poses that we do. So there's a relationship with your feet and your piriformis that is very important to kind of notice. And habitual ways we sit, but also habitual ways we stand actually increase this imbalance. 
So when we stand, a lot of the time we're tired. And so we just hang in our body like, you know, a sack of a, a skeleton. And what we do is just hang out on the joints. So a lot of the time we shift our pelvis forward to compensate and then we pull down, which exacerbates the upper cross syndrome and you'll notice the lower cross syndrome. So some of us have an anterior tilted pelvis, some of us have a posterior, but the same um, sensation of drawing the weight forward to compensate and like hang out, you'll notice that your toes are gripping. You're probably quite pronated, which is like flat footed and you have lightness in the heels. One, we have a tendency to lock our knees, and also you'll notice that your butt's not engaged, you kind of have this puchasana, your shoulders are sagging, and you're loading your back. So the simple solution is to micro bend the knees and shift your weight into the heels. Your toes will lift, your arches lift, you feel that energy and um, connected tissue ascend through the body with the knees micro bent, you'll start to feel this muscle called the vastus medialis help track the kneecap in a, its proper place. You'll feel tone in your lower belly, tone in your glutes, and your posture will naturally stand up. So notice if you um, bring your pelvis forward and just hang out versus bend the knees, bring your weight back, you'll feel this tensegrity, tone and integrity ascend through the body and start to create this um, structure in which you have that stira. And then in that stira, you have a sense of sukham. So there's a, a special relationship to the heel and the piriformis. And so I'll give you a little um, extra little bit. Your sciatic nerve comes from your um, lower back and sacrum. Nerve lines come out and then feed into one big nerve line, which is about the size of your thumb, that goes down your leg, down the back of your thigh, and sprouts down the back of the leg. Now, your piriformis, most of us, the sciatic nerve actually runs right in front of it. Some of us, the sciatic nerves runs behind it, and a few of us, have a sciatic nerve that runs between the piriformis. Regardless, if you spend a lot of time sitting and you're overstretching and weakening the piriformis and you haven't been really doing anything and you're crossing your legs like this and sitting for long periods of time, that piriformis starts to overstretch and you start to sit and on your sciatic nerve. So some of us who sit for long periods of time, especially slouching, so you're really overstretching the connective tissue in your lower back, and you're sitting on your, your piriformis, which is getting really weak and thin and not really engaged, you're gonna be sitting on your sciatic nerve and you're gonna to start to feel sciatic nerve stuff. So sometimes sciatic nerve issues are not to do with disc issues. Sometimes it's muscular because our butt muscles are not toned enough to be able to hold um, uh, effectively, you know, those um, nerve lines, blood flow lines, and fascial connective tissue together. So it's not strong enough. So there's an imbalance. So what we're going to try to do is actually start to notice this. And there's a um, part of the sciatic nerve that doesn't even go to the brain. It goes from your, your piriformis straight to your heel, back up to your piriformis, straight to your heel, back up to the piriformis. It doesn't need to go to the brain. It's so hardwired because as you walk, when you heel strike, you, when you touch your heel to the ground, it tells your piriformis to stabilize. Then you lift your back toe, lifting the heel turns off the piriformis on the other side. 
then you shift your weight and you heel strike and it turns on the piriformis. As you move and lift your heel, it turns off the piriformis so you can swing your leg forward. Heel strike turns on the piriformis. So this is um, a really important kind of um, example of how to properly heel strike and go through your whole gait. A lot of people have a tendency to walk with their feet forward and never move their leg back, which exacerbates that shortening of our hip flexors and weakening of our glutes. It's really important to have a good gait where you send that leg back and lift, and then that leg back and lift because it's working other glute muscles. So having a good gait, so it's almost like when I tell my students when I work one-on-one -on -one with them when they have lower back issues is try to work one, uh, walk one glute at a time. So you're going to think of one glute, one glute, one glute. And so you walk one bum cheek at a time starting to bring more awareness when you walk as you knit together, zip up the zipper. So toes are meant for mobility, heels are meant for stability. And we're going to notice that as we shift our weight into our heels to create stability, and we're gonna do asymmetrical poses to actually work the piriformis and that lateral line um, to actually engage these muscles. Now, this is actually pointing towards the contraction that I was talking about in the beginning. So when we, say for instance, warrior one, we do this quite a lot in my classes, where you come up into warrior one. This is a concentric contraction as you're shortening the back bending muscles, specifically the glutes. And then we hold warrior one. This is isometric contraction. And then eccentric contraction is as it's still engaging as you press the back foot back, front foot forward. And now I'm lengthening it, stretching it, as I fold forward, bring my hands down. So this in tone and integrity within the movement, keeping your attention and sometimes to actually create those um, neurons to connect, those motor neurons to connect, because sometimes they're so asleep, we don't even feel our glutes contract. I will welcome you to touch your own bum because touching it, you're like, oh, I feel they're toned. Or if they're not, you'll feel that they're kind of squishy. And then how do you tone it? How do you get it to engage? And sometimes using your hands, that felt sense, will help them engage. This is also kind of like pointing towards um, Vera One. The reason why I don't teach with the heel off the floor. Some of us can engage that glute, but as we externally rotate and drop the heel, you actually engage that piriformis on that back leg side. And that's gonna be essential to maintaining pelvic stability, core engagement to be able to come up. With the heel off the floor, the piriformis is not working. And I'll show you on this slide because it's easier. What has a tendency to happen when we do a high lunge without glute engagement is, is that we get really excited and we push through flexibility. And as we do that, the, hip, the femur bone pushes into the front of the hip socket as we come into the back bend. Now, what that does is it overstretches the connective tissue in the front of the hip, forcing the femur bone into the front of the hip and actually starting to press against the labral cartilage in the um, hip socket. When we drop our back heel to the floor, the piriformis engages 
and pulls that um, femur bone back into its hip socket so we can then feel more stable to come into our back bend. But if we lift our heel and chase that stretch, the femur bone presses the force of energy, pushes that, that hip. And a lot of yogis, as we've been aging now, <laughs> we are getting hip replacements and labrum tears in our in our groin and there's always like this feeling right here and it's usually when we start having like this weird ache and we're like oh i feel like i need to stretch and you stretch it stretch it usually is a sign that your glutes are not strong enough and then there's lower back issues as well so working with this external rotation heel on the floor engages the piriformis and it's essential to stabilize the pelvis and actually improve your back bends a lot of physiotherapists now are actually um, with people with back injuries are using loads of glute exercises, which has been a positive um, uh, practice to actually improve lower back instability. So there's such a new information that we have um, uh, to use around understanding that we engage our glutes. Now it's really hard because traditionally, especially in the Ashtanga method, Tommy Joyce was always saying, disengage your glutes to do bigger back bends. And a lot of yogis have ripped their body apart, like literally detached muscles from bone because of lack of glute engagement. Also spinal issues like spondylolisthesis, where there's a fracture of the facet joints and the spine pops forward because that disengagement of the muscle, remembering that we need to be strong to then become flexible. And if you're not engaging the muscles, and this engagement is the middle path. So we don't want like, like mushy grapes, like really overripe grapes. We don't want raisins. We want juicy grapes, yeah? So that kind of firmness, but juiciness. We don't want overripe ones and we don't want raisins. So it's that middle path and your great variety and your vintage is gonna be yours. So sometimes touching helps, yeah? So with this, we're going to repeat over and over again to wake up these muscles to um, start to become more familiar and you'll start to feel like almost smoke coming out of your glutes because this is going to be quite intense. But this ability to energize the muscles and work with the breath and, you know, inhaling is like yawning, that pandiculation as we inhale. Feed and engage. And then as you exhale, you get that release. So within the breath, you can almost sense that quality of reawakening, reintroducing um, yourself to like, oh, I am my body too. I'm not just stuck in my head and stuck into concentrating on something outside of me. Turn that energy inwards and noticing that no muscle acts alone. So yes, we might be focusing on our piriformis, but actually everything is trying to communicate to create this inner web, this inner kind of um, structure this tensegrity in the body to hold the body and there's an inner intelligence that knows how to create more balance we just need to help it along so really employ the breath to come in and explore as you inhale invigorating like yawning and as you exhale feel that tone and integrity and lean release into that holding pattern 
If you would like to continue to practice, find out more information about the topics discussed, or to donate to this podcast, please visit ZephyrYoga.com or follow the link in the episode description. I thank you.